least tell me where you're going, so that when you don't come back, I'll know how to fill out the report. What's the boogeyman? Hi, this is Lori Lafine, and we're on Hysteria Continues. Yeah, welcome again to the Hysteria Continues. Um, this is episode number eight, um, and as ever, as ever, even I'm joined by our um, our slasher troopers, which include Joseph. Truly, a sight to behold. A man beaten. The once great chap now a study in mopishness. I think we've got Stephen Hawkins in the house. Welcome, no, Stephen. No, no, no. It's Howard Cosell by way of uh, the the Oriental guy from Better Off Dead. Okay, okay. Well, no, thank you. I haven't actually seen Better Off Dead, I don't think. Hey, whoa. Good movie. Whoa. Uh, yeah. Okay, okay. Well, no, maybe we'll come back to that. So that sounds good. And Eric from Ireland. Howdy. Bonjour, monsieur. My best French accents. <laughs> Fantastic. And and Nathan from Tennessee. Uh, karate, judo, sumo, samurai. That means how are you? <laughs> what yeah. a cultured show we have uh, yeah. for you. And what a fantastic show we have for you um, this week. Um, we are covering the early 80s slasher, Bloody Birthday, um, the Killer Kids movie. And um, we've got very, we've got very exciting. Um, we are joined by the film's final girl. It's Laura Lathine, who is going to be joining us later. Nathan interviewed her um, a week or so ago, and so we're going to have her on the show talking about um, making happy birthday. Not happy birthday, no bloody birthday. We've already done happy birthday to me. Um, so that's something to look forward to. Um, and also, we've got our regular slots. We're going to be talking. Um, our top three death scenes or top three um, murders. Um, also, going to be talking about films we've seen recently. Um, we're probably going to do a little bit more dissecting of Scream 4. Um, and what else have we got, guys? There was something else. Oh, Nathan's got a question um, for us, which we're going to discuss later. So, but I think uh, before we get started, um, I think, uh, Joseph, you had a little bit of feedback for us. Yes, I do. Uh... It's from a man named John Woodward. Uh, he says, Hi, folks. I've been following your podcast since the first episode. Discovered by doing a random search for slasher film-related podcasts on iTunes. Imagine my delight in finding such like-minded people in such far-flung regions. I am Canadian and grew up in that golden age of tax-shelter horror films that produced such delights as Terror Train, Prom Night, My Bloody Valentine, Rituals, etc., just finished listening to your show on curtains, and it turned my thoughts to the subject of film scores. Paul Zaza, of course, composed the score for curtains, as well as Prom Nights 1 through 3, Ghostkeeper, and My Bloody Valentine. The importance of music in horror films can never be underestimated, and I thought it might be interesting to find out what your top three slasher film scores are. John Carpenter's lo-fi music for Halloween is fairly obvious, but I'd like to know what films you think are elevated by the choice of music. Or, alternately, what films are destroyed by their soundtracks? Dario Argento, I'm looking at you. Keep up the great work, guys. John Woodward. 
Excellent, excellent. That's the kind of feedback we like. So if you, anyone else got any feedback, uh, do get back to us. And um, one person I forgot to mention on the last um, episode was uh, Curtis Dalton, who I believe, guys, is in Tennessee. Um, I don't know how close he is to where you are, but he um, put on the Hysteria Lives Facebook group a picture of him and Dana Kimmel. Um, which, uh, as we know, uh, Dana was on the show last week with a in- little introduction. <laughs> yeah, and, um, awesome. <laughs> and Curtis said, Curtis said like that it. he asked her about um, her appearance in Sweet Sixteen, and she pretended she didn't know what he was talking about. So there you go. So, so if you guys um, uh, sort of um, meet Dana, which I think there's a possibility that we might be meeting Dana at some point, um, then you've got to make sure you ask her all about Sweet Sixteen, even maybe singing that Sweet Melissa song, because I'm sure she'd love to hear it. Um, I was just going to say, before we, we go on, we uh, there may be a few slight sound issues with this um, this episode um, because we're using uh, new um, equipment. Well, basically, there's an updated Skype version um, and it's possible possible there may be a few sound issues. So, um, you know, please bear with us. Um, and I think it's it's looking OK at the moment, but um, we are sort of, um, sort of braving new frontiers with this one. And it took us a little while to set it up. So... Uh, if it sounds awful, which hopefully it won't, uh, we'll be back to normal next episode, hopefully. So, um, uh, without further ado, what do we want to do, guys, first? We, do... should, we should give out the address for yes. people to give feedback. Yeah. All right, that is uh, the full stop hysteria full stop continues at gmail.com. There's your fucking for, full stops. And for our American listeners, <laughs> it's a Dears. period for American listeners. <laughs> Yeah, I'll take your I'll take your English more seriously when that dowdy the old sandbag takes the power pot off of her head. <gasps> Who's that? Toya. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, while we're we're talking about that, um, um, I know people have been on tenterhooks since the last episode. Yes, and who the won battle. The war? Who won the war, Susie or Toya? Um, well, it took it took me all night to count the votes. All. Three of them, oh, I think. Um, and um, Susie came out on top. And I don't want to crow, but, you know, I think the right woman won. Anyway, we, without further ado, we are going to move on to... Um, what should we do? Should we do our what we've seen recently, guys? Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. okay. What, have you seen anything recently you want to talk about? Don't know who wants to go first. How about you, Eric? I haven't seen anything really of note, but I have been reading a book that's been discussed in the forums at the moment, and it is uh, Blood Money, A History of the First mm. Teen Slasher Film Cycle. I actually finished it uh, quite a while ago, um, and I kept meaning to bring it up on the show. It's um, it's like a media studies textbook. Uh, it's, it's more of a business analysis of what made the slasher films popular between 1978 and 1984. Uh, and, you know, because it's, a, it's kind of academic it's very dry and it's, i find it really difficult to get into but like it hits its stride sort of halfway through and it, when it starts discussing specific um films and it was actually turned out to be quite good in the end uh like for instance he the the author richard Knowles sort of makes parallels between the marketing campaign for friday the 13th and how it sort of mimicked slightly the marketing campaign of meatballs now that sounds ridiculous but uh, he argues it quite well actually in the book so um i mean i had reservations about it when i started reading it i i sort of had a little bitch about it on the forum saying this is like the most least entertaining read i've ever had 
but uh, it actually turned out to be quite good. I'm also reading an older book, Justin, that you reviewed on Hysteria Lives called mm-hmm. They Came From Within. Oh, the Canadian one. The, yeah. yeah, and that is excellent. That's more my style. It's, it, it's, it reminds me, actually, of your style of writing, Justin, in Teenage Wasteland. Mm. It's, like, informative, um, uh, well-researched, but it's written in, with humour injected into it, so it's really entertaining. And I'm about a quarter of the way through that, and I, I'm really enjoying it. That's, that's, I'd, I'd recommend, actually, I'm reading, funnily enough, I'm reading the Blood Money book um, at the moment. Um, but the, they came from within, which is a really good um, overview of the Canadian tax shelter films, and it goes into quite a lot of detail about Curtains, um, My Bloody Valentine, all those great Canadian films from the early 80s. So that's definitely worth getting. And, and I concur with Eric, the Blood Money um, book, is is it's definitely worth checking out but it's not quite what i expected it to be um it's quite an analytical study of um it is and it's got quite a um uh mainstream cover if you know what i mean it's, it, the cover looks like it's going to be another mm. teenage wasteland or um another going to pieces but uh, it's not it's something for students more than for fans yes well there's only one teenage wasteland as we there know, is so mm. yes um, okay, um, how about you, um, Joseph? Have you seen anything of note? Uh, I recently watched, uh, or more to the point, recently endured um, an Aussie sort of slasher film called Frenchman's Farm. Mm. Uh, it's about a woman with the biggest hair I've ever seen. Oh, I'm uh, sold. <laughs> her, her car breaks down in the countryside, and she's kind of magically whisked back in time a good 40 or 50 years uh, while bumbling around in the past, she witnesses an axe murder on a nearby farm before she's whisked back to her own time period. She tries to convince her friends and colleagues of her story, but, you know, no one listens as, as, as it goes. Uh, they must have had their ears blocked by the hideous feathered mullets. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Now, uh, being a huge fan of time travel stories and theoretical physics, it kind of bothered me that there seemed to be no repercussions or paradoxes arising from her time travel uh, Novikov's self-consistency principle and predestination kind of take a day off so we can watch the slasher movie equivalent of an insurance seminar read by John Dacre. Uh, not really even an eerie ending can save it. It's really boring. Uh, but it does have great box art. If you've seen the box art, it's uh, kind of has the hands holding the pickaxe and it has a screaming woman and it has like the, the warped, uh, uh, what do you call those, uh, like a wormhole like thing. Mm. I mean, I've, I've I have seen it, but um, not for many many years, so I, I can't remember anything about it to be honest. But it doesn't sound um, it doesn't sound as good. I mean, the what's the um, time crimes is um, probably mm. the best uh, sort of time travel sort of slasher movie, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's uh, much much better. Yeah, yeah. Much more much more entertaining. Uh, this movie is just it's kind of like watching uh, paint dry uh, while you're asleep. Right. <laughs> It sounds thrilling, so I'm sure lots yeah, of people will be checking That's all out. I've seen recently. So uh, I actually started watching uh, um, not a slasher movie at all, but uh, Below, Below from uh, 19, uh, 2002, uh, David mm. Twohey. Mm, yeah. uh, I, 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 hear, I hear good things about it, but I got about 15 or 20 minutes in it, and it wasn't that it was boring. I just kind of fell asleep, so I didn't get to finish it. But, uh, yeah, there's that. Okay, that's it. okay. <laughs> Another so, sort of two ringing endorsements from Joseph there. So. Yes. Well, I'm sure be- Below is probably pretty good. I just yeah, haven't yeah. watched it. Okay. I didn't like it. I have to say, oh. that's that's the same director as Pitch Black, isn't it? Yes. It yeah. Is. I, I didn't like Pitch Black either. 
Uh, okay, yeah. well, it's a it's a slagging off um, yes. episode here. This one, hopefully, we won't be doing the same thing to Bloody Birthday, but we shall uh, wait and see. Um, how about you, Nathan? What have you seen anything of note? Uh, well, yeah, I saw one thing, but before I get into that, uh, speaking of big hair, uh, when Joseph mentioned the biggest hair, it reminded me of Eric's review on Hysteria Lives for Aerobicide, where mm-hmm. actually in the body count he <laughs> references female with big hair has throat slit. Like he had to put in that she had big hair. I always put a lot of that. <laughs> That's important. Um, really, I watched with my other half Happy Birthday to Me last night. Hmm. Um, and it was, you know, uh, his first time seeing it. So he, um, I don't know if he really liked it or not because he doesn't like slasher movies. But since I wasn't here when y'all did your um, um, your Happy Birthday to Me, I guess, retrospective, hmm. uh, I just wanted to say my opinion of it. I love it. Uh, very much, and uh, I really dig the death scenes in that movie. I Fantastic. gotta say, well, maybe maybe some of those might be turning up on our favorite death scenes um, section coming up shortly. Oh yeah. Um, sure. Just um, is there anything else, Nathan? Do you want to say about those? Oh uh, no, no. That's okay. It. Um, I mean, I've only seen one um, film, which I haven't seen, actually saw about three, four weeks ago, and I forgot to mention last time, um, was a new French slasher from 2009 called High Lane, um, which is definitely worth the view. It's not not amazing or anything, but it's definitely worth a a look. And it's set um, in the Pyrenees, I think, up in... what you have is um, a group of young, sort of, well, sort of early twenty-somethings going um, mountain climbing, and um, they basically get stuck on top of a mountain, which also ha- happens to be um, inhabited by a kind of mutant killer who chases them um, around and hacks them up, and that's pretty much the story. Uh, but it's yeah, it's, it's worth a watch. It's it's basically it's kind of wrong turn on the mountain um but it's got some quite thrilling cinematography and great scenes of um people swinging off mountains on ropes while being hacked at with axes and stuff so if you like that kind of thing and if you're what you know listening to this you probably do um that's probably worth um a look i'm not sure if it's out in the states yet but it's out what on was that DVD. called again it's called high lane um, High Lane. High Lane. Yeah, it's called Vestvert. Hmm. Sounds very interesting. Yeah, it's worth it's worth watch. It's not it's not groundbreaking or anything, but it's it's you know, and it also unfortunately, I think it, if I remember, it throws a bit of that torture porn in, which is you know so two thousand six. Ah. But <laughs> but the majority of it is is still kind of old fashioned sort of um, you know killer chasing teenagers around the mountain. So it's yeah, it's worth worth a watch. Um, and of course, the other thing, um, I don't know if we were going to talk a little bit about Scream 4, because we talked about it um, last week um, with a non-spoiler review. And um, I, in case, in case I don't know, I mean, it's probably unlikely if, if it suddenly becomes the massive hit. We're actually recording um, this episode a week before it goes um, goes live, um, just so we can keep on the, um, the fortnightly role that we're on at the moment. And that's just just purely because we we have lives, believe it or not. So some of us have got plans. So we're just sort of working around there. But as as of now, as of speaking, Scream Four is it's not bombing, but it's certainly not a hit. I don't think um, it's apparently it dropped sixty five percent over this weekend. 
um, and it's going to struggle probably to make its production budget back domestically because uh, it's one of the things that when people talk about um, films and you look at the budget and I still can't believe that Screen 4 had a budget of $45 million it just boggles the mind because it's it doesn't look it looks great you know they spent I, that on Courtney Cox's plastic surgery I know I know <laughs> well the thing is I th- <laughs> Basically, they could have. They probably. I was talking about someone about this about Screen Four, and I think basically um, the Screen first Screen movie captured the zeitgeist, captured the moment. It was a perfectly poised when horror was dead in '96, um, pretty much. And you had people on one hand who were nostalgic, like we are for the early 80s slasher movies, who came to see it. But you had the new crowd, um, the people, you know, the youngsters who'd not seen their contemporaries being cut, you know, hacked and slashed to pieces coming along as well. So you had this, they captured the Zeke guys, it was a critical hit, massive box office hit. Um, and then, of course, the sequels played off the goodwill of those films um, with their own merits or lacking their merits, whatever you, whatever you might decide. But... Um, you know, basically, I think um, I liked the film well enough. I didn't hate it. Um, but I think it was just, unfortunately, they misjudged when was a good time to release a new Scream film. Um, and as much as I hate to say it, I, you know, and I, I'm glad they went this way, but I think if they'd done a complete reboot or a, even a remake, and I really don't, would, wouldn't want them to do that, but I think it probably would have had a bigger um splash at the box office uh i just don't think the general public just probably don't care um like they did 10 years ago when scream 3 did like triple the business in the first weekend that scream 4 has um and i have a theory on this mm. i think the soft films you know sequel after sequel kind of uh threw a, a, a wrench into like audience participation like you know saw and then saw two and then Saw 3, by that point, everybody was like kind of getting jaded with the whole sequels. And then mm. Saw 4, Saw 5, Saw 6, and then finally Saw 7. Everyone was like, ugh, sequel overkill. I, that's just my theory. And I think that, you know, seeing the Saw films with all the really high-impact high gore scenes and torture and just in-your-face violence, I think maybe uh, people are kind of like, well, maybe the Scream film's not going to be as violent. And maybe they kind of skipped out on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I think for a film like for Screen Four to work, um, because when before it came out, there's like that the the Rio the animated film. It was all kind of it's a battle at the box office between the bloody horror movie and the family animated film. Um, and Rio family's going to win every time. I hate to say it. Yeah, but it's kind of weird if you look at the top five in America this week. I mean, I don't know what it's going to be like when this when the podcast goes out. But the top five films are all family films. Um, and I know it kind of wax and wanes a bit, but I think if they possibly waited a few more years, um, admittedly, Courtney Cox might have turned into the um, the Bride of Wildenstein by that point, <laughs> but it, it might have made it more interesting. I don't know. But uh, it's, it's a shame, really, because I think it's a pretty, you know, half-decent film. It's, it's not going to, you know, it, it kind of... I enjoyed it well enough, but it kind of underwhelmed me. But essentially... Um, you know, they they were talking about a new trilogy, and I can't. I mean, what about you guys? Can you see this happening? Can you see the trilogy continue? I watched it a second time. I liked it a little more uh, the second time than I did the first time, but I still think it's just kind of a blah movie. It's just mm. there. Um, as far as it being a new trilogy, I I guess you can kind of get creative. But since they killed off, you know, most of the new cast, save for that uh, 
uh, Marley Shelton's character who played the deputy, uh, mm. Sheriff Dewey. Uh, they really, I mean, what are they going to do? Are they going to keep sending new people after Sydney? I mean, she's kind of getting tired. Uh, well, you know. I was just going to say, we're, we're in spoiler territory now, but I think um, the film's been out when this goes out, that we're, it's been out sort of um, three weeks by the time it's broadcast. So um, if you don't haven't seen it and you don't want it spoiled, then um, fast forward five or ten minutes of the podcast because we're going to. I think it's probably. What do you think, guys? I mean, we could talk about um, with chuck some spoilers into the mix. Yeah, it should be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, what about you um, guys? How about you, Eric? What's your thoughts on why Scream Four hasn't hasn't lived up to its potential? Well, you said the magic words. You said it's half decent, and I mean, hmm. but, that, but of course, that's no indicator of what's going to do well at the box office but I, I do believe it's um it beat rio to the number one spot in the box office in the uk it did yes yeah it's yes, funny um, funny enough but yeah i watched scream 2 after we recorded the podcast last week and was which was the same day i saw scream 4 uh, i mean i still have the same problems with the scream series i think they're too long um and i think they're too sort of repetitive or something i mean i still prefer the cheesier late 90s ones um the scream series never grabbed me in that way i mean i did you were saying you went to see scream in the cinema when it first came out and you had this great audience participation experience and i had that with scream too uh so much so that i went back to see it for a second time and it was just brilliant watching it with an appreciative audience mm. i suppose for that reason scream 2 was has always been my favorite um but when i went back to rewatch it probably for the first time in 10 years i it just had the exact same problems i had with scream 4 i after the first 20 minutes, I was just looking at my watch constantly because I was a bit bored, to be honest. Mm. I mean, how about you, Nathan? Because you, you hadn't seen it when we talked about it um, last time. Oh, yeah. See, I love all the Scream movies, and I love this one, too. Um, I love the silliness. I love the ridiculous reveal of the killer. I mean, mm. uh, we're going to give spoilers, so I'm going to go ahead and do it. So like Justin said, skip ahead if you don't want to know. But when we find out the killer is... <laughs> This little girl, how is she able to kill all these people? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's ridiculous. She beats Dewey well, she, almost to she, death with a bedpan. She had help he, from the Weedy Boy, who liked horror films. He's not much taller, you know. I know. Yeah, he's like a little <laughs> looking guy too. He's a caulking kid. How is he yes. going to fight? So, he is so useless because I, I guarantee. I mean, she could hit him one time by surprise, but then he can't fight this uh, young teenage girl who probably weighs about 100 pounds off of him. I mean... You're talking so about Dewey, right? Movies. Dewey? You're talking yes. about Dewey. Let me, let me say something. Uh, in Throughout Scream 4, um, when Sydney is being attacked by the ghost face, she puts up a really good fight. You know, she kicks him around, she mm. tosses him down steps, but the minute, yeah. the, the minute Jill pulls her mask off and she's like this little 5 foot 2 weighs 105 pounds and Sydney can't fight. She's like frozen in fear. It's like, wait a minute, you just kicked the fucking shit out of her throughout the whole film and now you're just like cowering in a corner like a little bitch. What's going on here? Mm. I, I, I mean, I, I agree, you know, I, I thought the ending was probably the best bit of the whole film apart from the ridiculousness of, of it. But of course, no one's saying apart from probably because of the ridiculousness of it and the, the idea that the killer... Um, this whole 15 minute of fame to taken such to the nth degree of um, a vapid um, celebrity. I thought that was probably, you know, that's the best bit about the film. Um, looking back on it now, it was kind of the, the thing that annoyed me with this film is it would have been much better if they killed off one of the existing 
characters or all of them even i kind of i thought i don't know where i got you know i'm sure i read that the um the idea was to um to bring in a whole new lot of characters which would then the old lot would would leave and things would carry on but it would be the baton would be handed to a younger you know uh set of characters but they all died, didn't they, bar the, the deputy who was the same age as the older characters. Um, and I kind of guess this whole thing of, like, you know, every time they're, you know, Courtney's stabbed or Dewey kind of goes down, but they always come back, they're fine at the end. And it's kind of taken every bit of danger out of, of the film. Um, and I think... Um, you know, basically, um, Screen 4 really was um, a mildly entertaining train crash, um, which, and I said, I think I said last week, it sounds like the um, the story behind production would be much more interesting than the the actual film itself. Um, but also, as as um, as Eric said, um, it doesn't have to be a good film to to um, to make it be a hit at the box office, but. Because it's from Dimension, basically. I mean, if you look at films like My Bloody Valentine 3D or even Friday the 13th remake, which um, made a shed load more at the box office, even the Nightmare yeah, on Elm Street. it did really well at the box office. I'm surprised they haven't done a sequel to that yet. What, My Bloody Valentine? Well, both. both. I mean, they both yeah. made a lot of money. I mean, this is the thing. I don't, I don't understand. I mean, I, I kind of guess with those films, um, you think how easy it would be to do a direct-to-video or DVD or Blu-ray um, movies now for a fraction of the budget. I mean, especially something like Scream, really, it, there's no reason why it should cost that much money, and it, it just boggles the mind. Um, but, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not wishing them onto, onto video or to, you know, um, but as, as someone I think on the forum said, and I can't remember it was now, saying that if they did do direct-to-video um, screen movies, then it opens up a whole new, um, you know, sort of uh, area for them to talk about um, and to lampoon. Um, but the thing that annoyed me mostly, actually, about Screen 4 was it veered far too much into the comedy area. Um, and we, we alluded to it um, last week. But the thing that really took me out of the movie, um, which was the, the killing of the cop, um, the black cop, mm-hmm. who gets Anthony stabbed. Anthony Anderson. In, is that his name? Sorry. Yeah, Anthony Anderson. Yeah. I mean, he gets, it's so brutal. He gets stabbed in the forehead. And it's really kind of brutal. And you think, oh, that, that's actually quite horrible. The violence, actually, in the film is pretty graphic but then he as he dies he he says a pun um and it just kind of i just felt they Mm. kind of it crossed the barrier um too far towards a kind of scary movie almost um i had a i had a similar problem with uh when robbie got killed um where in the screen in the first screen film ghostface was really scary here he's he's almost like a caricature of himself Mm. robbie's laying on the ground he's like you can't kill me I'm gay. And then Ghostface yeah. kind of just tilts his head like, what are you talking about, kid? Yeah. And I thought that was just really, really sorry humor. I, it, just, mm. it bothered me. Mm. I thought the humor with the opening sequence was really good, though. I really yeah. like the, the opening sequence was probably one of my favorite parts. The double bluff. Yeah, and I think that was a nod to Killer Party. Just yes. Killer Party started yeah. with a double bluff, too. Mm. There, was a, there was a lot of um, nods to slash movie. I mean, there's, there's only so many variations of a slash movie setups you can do. Um, but certainly, the I think it's been, again, on the... Um, on the forums, we talked. People talked about it, but I noticed when Neve Campbell's being chased across the rooftops, it's very much um, the, the scene out of Halloween Four with a similar um, chase scene. 
Um, I don't know. I mean, I kind of, I, I presumed watching, seeing from the, the screens and all the background um, stuff would be, there would be this huge massacre at the teenage party out at, out at the barn. And all no, the, one like, no one dies. No one dies. But, but what was kind of weird was um, they talk about it and they kind of, I think they almost try and cover over the cracks. But I actually liked, I mean, I think Eric was saying um, that it's kind of, not to put words into your mouth, Eric, but it's kind of like, it's it's all sandwich, no filling, and so much the beginning and the end are great. You know, the first yeah. half an hour and the end half an hour are fantastic. The middle is kind of, the more I think about it, the more it's kind of treading water. Um, and in some ways, the ending, although I loved it and it was great, it just didn't have that kind of delirium possibly to it that it could have had um i was hoping they'd do you know halloween to the 81 nods when they went to the hospital i thought oh here we go we're actually going to get something but as much as people hate it i think the black christmas remake did that kind of um hospital slasher thing at the end much better you know um yeah it's 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 weird i and someone else, I think, said on the forums that um, the, you know the ultimate twist would have um, Neve Campbell either as a killer or have her her twin sister turning up. Maybe mm. that's what they've had planned for part six. Um, whether or not, whether or not we ever see a part six, I don't know. Um, and at this stage, it probably looks um, relatively unlikely. But um, if any of you listening have got any thoughts on Scream Four that you want to share, then again, just um, contact us, and uh, you know um, we'll read them out. So, guys, you got any more thoughts about um, Scream Four? Now we've had some distance from it, or do you want to move on to? I I think my problem uh, with the film can be summed up in one sentence, which is we they had ten years to do to make a really good movie, and this is the best we got. Mm. Well, that happens. Like, that's the Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull syndrome. <laughs> mm-hmm. Also, you know, can you imagine if uh, they actually did uh, a Scream film with a uh, set? entirely in a hospital that would be fantastic i think mm-hmm. well i think it's that ghost of... in the hospital would be really creepy yeah yeah i mean it's it should I, I i just kind of got the impression and i know you really liked it nathan i had a good time with it and i will buy it when it comes out you know i will get the blu-ray or whatever and i mean uh, you know i'm sure i'm going to watch it many times and enjoy it but i i just got the impression that you know one neve campbell doesn't obviously didn't really want to do it um courtney cox and um you know um arquette were probably you know they were obviously on the verge of have, going into a divorce um i it just didn't gel i mean i you know i mean neve campbell when she was in the first film was fine as you know the the plucky teenager and then it went to, it followed her journey but then with this it was kind of it her journey had already ended really um and I, I, you know, I can't see where they can go with it for the rest of the other films. But it's just very redundant, I believe. Yeah, I mean, her this... char- I mean, her character, you know, at the end of Scream Three, she finds out uh, Roman Bridger the, is her brother, and he's mm-hmm. like basically bringing things full circle, and she ends up killing him off. So you know, she's complete. And then they just kind of like, oh well, let's just bring her back just so her kooky weirdo cousin can be like all jealous of her. And yeah. it's kind of just kind of redundant. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's, um, you know, like I say, the ending. I think it's a very, you know, it's actually a pretty good, pretty sharp um, uh, parody of kind of modern fame. And I think that, you know, and that that was very good. But it just didn't. Um, whether or not Kevin Williamson, I mean, what actually happened with the film, I don't know. You know, and I don't want to slander or anyone, but 
who knows what happened with it because obviously he's supposedly signed on for another for another trilogy then he gets replaced by um is it Aaron Kruger um uh, mm-hmm. again and um and then Wes Craven says he signed up to a Kevin Williamson script and then it got got rewritten Joseph you've you've seen the original script haven't you was was there much difference I haven't seen the original script but oh, I've right, seen okay. a lot of the uh, bits and pieces of it there's mm-hmm. um there's one bit I think they have a second like or third I'm sorry a third um like movie nut character and his name is Trey and basically what he does is he follows around the Robbie and the Charlie characters and he just repeats everything they say it's like you know Charlie will say uh, the rules of the secret, the rules of uh horror films have changed and Robbie will be like Yes, in, in these movies, you have to do this, so-and-so. And then that Trey character would be like, yes, you have to do this, so-and-so, repeating themselves. And I thought, mm. you know, that's probably a probably a pretty good thing that they actually cut his character out, because that would have been really kind of annoying. But And also, um, what else is there? Uh, I, I don't know. It's mostly a lot of just dialogue stuff. It mm. doesn't look like a whole lot was cut. I mean, there's extended sequences. There's no real kill scenes that I'm reading. It's mainly just uh, fleshing out the characters, but... Uh, eh, that's about it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, well, that's Scream Four, and we we might come back to it. Maybe we'll talk about it when it comes out on um, DVD or Blu-ray, and maybe it'd be time to return to Woodsboro. But um, I imagine the door has now been shut at Woodsboro. But we shall see. Okay. Well, should we move on, guys, to um, our top three? And uh, this time we're talking about um, favorite death scenes, and of course. What would a slasher movie be without any death scenes? In fact, there are there are actually a couple of slasher movies without death scenes or without real well real in inverted commas deaths in them. Um, but of course, it's the raison d'être of a slasher movie is the death, and um, certainly after Friday Thirteenth, it all became about the creative death, how you could kill people creatively and trump the the other person. So. Um, should we start with um, who wants to go first? How about you, Eric? What's your number three? Okay, my number three, I've chosen, like, I should say up front that there's just so many deaths to choose from. You're probably going to pick ones, and I'm going to be thinking, oh, God, why didn't I think of that one? But uh, my number three is for cheesy reasons, because this is a really cheesy death, and it's the character of Mike in The Mutilator, played by Maury, one credit only, Lampley. <laughs> um, the reason is that it's it's his thespian skills that make this kind of memorable, if you'll excuse me slagging him off. He plays this guy called Mike who's wandering around a garage or a boathouse or something, and he's delivering his dialogue with all the emotional range of a Jaffa cake, and he's attacked with an outboard motor. Uh, and as it chops up his insides, his reaction is not one of pain, it's not one of horror, it's one where he slightly waves his head from side to side and goes, uh, <laughs> as if he's just sort of waking up or something. Yeah. Um, but the, the thing about this poor man is that he's not the worst actor in this film. That goes to, there's a shopkeeper at the start of The Mutilator who delivers the following line, dumb college kids talk themselves into buying two six-packs instead of one. And like she only has to deliver one line. She can't even do that without looking directly into the camera. But, uh, yeah, my number three, uh, in a film filled with some interesting deaths, it's Mike in The Mutilator. Excellent, excellent. I'm sure that film we will cover um, mm-hmm. at some point soon. So, but thank you, Eric. You just made Amanda very happy saying that. Oh, is Amanda? Big... That's one of her favourites, The Mutilator. Mine too. Uh, 
And a, a, just a quick shout out to Amanda, who may be on the Travelator. Is it Travelator? What the things you get in gyms? She listens to our podcast while she works out. Um, hello, Amanda. Hello, Amanda. Hi, Amanda. So, and, she, and she likes Beverly Hills 90210 as well. Does she want the new version or the old one? The old one, of course. I was going to say. So that's what I've been saying. Uh, the hysteria continues, uh, discussing slasher films and whipping people into shape since January of 2011. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> and now we're, we're heading towards a bar. It's not summer. working for me. No, no, no. Well, I don't even know what. It's a travelator. Is do you get are those in Put down the Kit Kat. <laughs> I can't. I think Amanda either uses the treadmill or the elliptical. I, treadmill. I think it's the treadmill. Uh, yeah, travelators are airports, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, well, anyway, shout out to Amanda. So hopefully uh, you'll enjoy that. So, but no, thanks, Eric. Um, how about um, how about you, Nathan? What's your number three? Is this um, is this the one where you wanted me to play? Is it this one? Oh yeah. Basically, this uh, death scene is a woman. It, it's a cheesy death scene because she doesn't know when to shut up, and she just keeps pressing her luck until she gets killed. So yeah, if you can play that clip. Yeah. Here we go. Love the trees and forests and always have fun. Thanks for picking me up. Hey, ain't no skin off my tits. Besides, girl, like you shouldn't be alone on this road. I mean, you gonna get screwed. You like to know who you're being screwed by, right? <laughs> I quit these things so many times, I had to quit, quit. Mind cracking a window? Everybody's got a boss. Just too dumb to drink, and I'm too fat to fuck. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> I thank God think... somebody shut her up. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> she just kept going. And what's funny is in that scene, like Angela, the killer, it's obviously from Sleepaway Camp Part 2. Mm-hmm. Angela's sitting there and listening to her, and she keeps cringing every time the woman talks. And then finally, she just kind of shakes her head like, I can't take it anymore, and then just stabs her to death. <laughs> Fantastic. Very lovely, very nice scene. Yes. Beautiful yeah. scene. Beautiful scene in a beautiful movie. Exactly. <laughs> well, thank you, Nathan. So, heart, so heartfelt and just, yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> right, well, Joseph, what's your number three? Uh, well... I would hesitate to call this a slasher film, although it does pretty much follow the formula. My number three is the barbecue bomb in Final Destination Part 2. What you have essentially is the now requisite final boom, no pun intended, this series is kind of known for, where specific characters are lulled into a false sense of security by believing they've cheated death. In Final Destination 2, our intrepid protagonists are celebrating their new lease on life by sitting down at an outdoor picnic. There's a kind of a delicious nod to happy birthday to me when one character is kind of nearly impaled through the mouth with a meat skewer. But the real boom, as it were, comes when the, girl, when the grill ignites into a massive fireball, uh, obliterating an unlucky teen and sending his arm flying onto a plate right in front of his screaming mother. Uh, and, and then the film just ends. And I, I have always got real, a real good kick out of that scene. Mm. It's, I haven't seen that for ages, but um, I. It's my I, favorite I, in the series. Is it? Uh, okay. Yeah. It is. It's really good. So. Very good. Opening car crash scene is great. 
Because that's the thing, Final Destination is, or the films, they are essentially slasher movies, aren't they? Just without... And without then wall-to-wall creative deaths as well. You could, just, you know, you could just pick from those four films alone. Absolutely. And are, are they not making the final... Well, they're making another one, aren't they? The I moment? think so, because I think the 3D one yeah, did uh, really good. set on numbers. a suspension bridge. Set on a suspension it? bridge. The new, the new one is set on a. Oh, okay, which is which is a bit not weird, but they've they've kind of done that to death, really, haven't they? That kind of because um, what's what's the film um, with the the bridge collapsing, um, the Mothman prophecies? Mm. Um, that was had a bridge at the end collapse, didn't it? And there was a there was another film. I think it was a um, Thai film. They did the same thing, but but yeah. Also, I, they did that in Cloverfield, where they're on the the bridge mm. going out of town, and the the. The, the monster's tail hits the bridge and it kind of collapses the bridge mm. and a bunch of people get killed. Yeah, well, it'll be, be, be sort of interesting, but I kind of, I'm surprised I haven't done a train crash one yet, and maybe that'd be too they expensive. They did at the end of part three. But did it, they? Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. So I haven't seen, I've only, I haven't, don't own any of them, I'm ashamed to say, but I've seen all of them uh, when they came out of the cinema. Um, actually, I just watched um, Supernatural, not this week's one, but the week before, and they do a Final Destination episode um, where all the characters are dying in creative ways by lots of weird things happening. And um, So, yeah, so if you watch Supernatural, it's worth checking that out. So I really need to check the, this show out. Everyone's yeah. kind of recommending it. It sounds pretty good. Well, Supernatural, you've not, you've not watched no, it yet? No, no. I, I always assumed it was really silly and just kind of like soap opera-ish. But everyone's saying, no, 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 it's really good. Give it a chance. So I might have to. Yeah, well, I like it for various reasons. Um, <laughs> so, okay. Well, my, my number three, I've got, I've got a top three here. And I'm kind of like, you know, it's kind of like, how do you choose? It's like having a having a big vat full of pearls with all these all the death scenes from slash movies and which ones you choose. Um, so I'm going to keep what I was going to be at number three. I'm going to keep to number one. Um, but um, my number three, I think I'm going to go in reverse order, is um, a film we've already talked about, and that is Graduation Day. And I just, there's a fantastic trash aesthetic in that film where they just got to the point, even though it was made at the height of the slash movie, where they are taking the piss, basically. And I do love the death scene where the um, the football jock gets killed with uh, an American football with a big javelin or spike at the end of it thrown through the air. And you just have to think, what kind of mad person would have come up with such a death scene? Um, and it would have been so difficult to actually have made work um, and that's why I think such the cheesy charms of um, of that. I just really like that um, that scene. It's kind of one of my favourite slash movie death scenes because it's so damn ridiculous. So um, yeah, well that's my my number three. Um, should we move on to number twos? Who went first? Was it Eric? Which was me. Yes. Yes. What's your number? Your big number two. <laughs> <laughs> it never, from, never uh, fails to amuse, does it? That yeah, no. Well, we always have to do the number two joke every every I episode. Think we do, of yeah, course. It's tradition. It's kind of yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's kind um, of tradition. Well, it is. well, we'll see if you can top us, Joseph. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Just let me <laughs> unzip my <laughs> pants. <here. laughs> so I don't, I don't understand. 
<laughs> Shut up. Just, um, number two, <laughs> moving on, it's Halloween 2, the 1981 version, obviously. Now, as I mentioned in the first uh, podcast we did, this was the very first horror film I saw, and it made a huge impression on me, and it's a film I still love to this day, and I find it really suspenseful, and I find the horror sequences really effective. Uh, it's got a number of creative deaths in it, and the one I've chosen probably isn't the one you'd think. I think the obvious one to go for is the head dunking in the water, and uh, the big booby lady getting her face burnt off. Mm. Um, the one I'm going for is for the nurse Jill, and she's the character who gets the scalpel in the back and she's lifted off the ground and her clogs fall off. Now, the reason I've chosen this one is because I just I love the way she's standing in the corridor and Michael appears behind her, but there's no, for some reason on the soundtrack, there's no dramatic sting or shock effect. that adds, I think that makes it quite creepy. I think the character Jill is really likeable in it, so it's kind of a shock to see her. I mean, she's obviously going to be killed because you know, everyone bar Laurie does get killed in these films. Um, and it just, it makes Michael seem so, you know, incredibly strong and unstoppable and sort of adds to the mystique of the character. Um, you know, people tend to criticize Halloween too, for focusing too much on the body count, whereas the first one didn't, you know, it's fair enough, I suppose. Um, but in terms of body count films, it, you know, it's top of the league, surely, uh, so, you know, it has crea- creative deaths, but it doesn't, I don't think it, it ditches the suspense that the first film had. Mm. I think it, 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 it's probably trashier because, you know, you've got people taking their bazongas out and, you know, waving them <laughs> around for a few minutes. But, uh, yeah, no, Halloween 2. Like you did this lot. morning. Like, like I did this morning on the balcony yeah. for about five yeah. minutes until the clouds came out. You're and nice we, we won't yeah. go on to we won't talk about bloody birthday, but um, too much. But that, just talking about bazongas, I, I I forgot how many breasts there were in that film. Um, but anyway, we can talk about that later. But yes, Halloween Two is a worthy a worthy sequel to a wonderful film, and that's um, yeah. I mean, I think that's one of. I mean, hospitals are fantastic, aren't they? Um, places for for slash movies, and I think that's a that's a, a, a brilliant choice, Eric. Thank you. Thank you. And um, okay, about uh, Joseph, what's your big number two? My mm-hmm. number two uh, is the kidney heist in Urban Legends Final Cut. Okay. Uh, uh, if you yeah. ever wanted to see one of the obnoxious real world cast members get their just desserts, this is your chance. Uh, this uh, Jacinda Barrett playing uh, Lisa, I believe it was, she wakes up in a tub of ice and she kind of realizes that she's the unfortunate victim of the old kidney heist. Uh, there's a hilarious bit where she calls 911 and she's kind of met with disbelief from the operator on the other end, other end of the line. And she's like, listen, honey, I've got Princess Di on line four. I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> and then what follows is her attempted escape through the bathroom window with a killer nipping at her heels and a rabid dog barking at her below the window outside. Uh, the killer attempts to pull her through the window by digging into her wound in a rather gory close-up detail. Uh, you know, when he finally manages to pull her head back, in, pull her back in, she ends up breaking most of the window pane, and which he uses to decapitate her. You know, it sends her head falling into the ground outside, and then the final gag wouldn't be complete without the killer tossing her kidney out the window, where it's immediately eaten by the dog. Mm. Mm. I love that scene. It's a really good scene in a otherwise kind of silly movie. But you quite, I quite like that sequel, I have to say. Oh, I love that movie. It's one yeah. of my favorites. Yeah, because yeah, um, really yeah, I, I don't mind it. I mean, it's got Hart Bochner in it, isn't it, from um, Terror Train and Apartment Zero. And it's it's not a bad sequel um, uh, at all. I mean, it hasn't got quite the cheesy charms of the, uh, the the original Urban Legend. But I think, is it John Ottman did pretty well with that film, didn't he? 
Yes, he he's um he's a film composer, and that was yeah. his first uh, directorial job. And I think he did a really good good job. It's a little disjointed, and the tone kind of shifts throughout. But you know, it kind of has these serious moments, and it has like awkward comedy moments. But for the most part, I think it's a little underrated. Well, I mean, talking no, yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm talking about um, films. We were talking about Scream Four earlier, and um, obviously Urban Legend and the sequel films that all came in to Scream success the wake of the success of the first film. But there was much talk about whether or not Scream 4, if it was a massive, huge success, would actually generate more slash movies. Um, and obviously, I don't think we're going to be seeing um, a new wave of slash movies, certainly not on the big screen anyway, because of Scream 4. But um, no, but Urban Legend is, um, maybe we could even do a double bill, or even a triple bill of the Urban Legend films at some point in the Double, future. not triple. I hear the last mm. one stinks. Yes, I haven't seen it, but I've, I hear it's, it's awful. Yeah, I it's, saw it. it's it's supernatural. It's good. it goes to the root of um, prom night two. Mm. Yes, mm. yes, which without is... the charm, without the charm. Yes, yeah, yeah. okay, excellent. <laughs> well, no, thank you, Joseph, for that one. And um, okay, you're quite Nathan, welcome. What's your what's your number two? Um, well, going back to hospitals, my number two is from Hospital Massacre, aka X Ray. Mm. Um, I really like the movie to begin with. I think this is one of the creepiest hospitals I've ever seen. Um, and the scene I'm thinking of in particular is where the nurse is walking down the hallway and she sees something at the very end of the hallway. And at first she's not sure what you know she's seeing. And as it gets closer, it's a silhouette holding up a giant sheet, like just running at her at full force. And, you know, she turns around and, you know, tries to get away screaming her head off down that hallway. And, the figure like covers her with the sheet and it has like a giant needle and it rams it into her and injects her. Um, and then, um, after that happens, she's just kind of like stumbling around like in a daze until she slumps to the floor, still covered by that sheet. Uh, I always thought that was a really creepy scene and I always love that for some reason. It's such a weird scene. It's, it's a strange movie, isn't it? And again, it's got that connection to bloody birthday, isn't it? With, um, a couple of the casts, appearing yep. in the beginning of, of X-Ray. Um, I, I watched X-Ray um, relatively recently um, again, and I mean, it's, it's a pretty awful film, but um, it has its charms, doesn't it? I mean, it's not... Uh, but it, it's, it's some like weird, weird kind of sort of sequences like that, which you really take you out of um, what is a very cheesy film, and then you actually think, well, actually, you know, Perhaps if they'd um, if they pulled back on the cheese a little bit, they could have actually made it a quite a scary movie, and that is kind of probably one of the best scenes. The tone I is a little awkward in that movie. It's like yeah. it doesn't know whether to be cheesy or whether to be you know shit your pants scary. But yeah. I, I enjoy it either way. I mean, I think uh, I think the the hospital obviously is just terrific setting for any slasher film, and it's mm. like um, you know if there's like a rainstorm in a film, I'm gonna like it. If, if it's set in a hospital, I'm probably going to like it, uh, mm -hmm. except for Halloween 2, the reboot, but we won't talk about that. No, no. Let's just start talking about that. Um, I like that movie. It's uh, just kidding. <laughs> Excellent. Well, okay. Well, that's. Um, that's uh, we'll just. We'll. we'll, we'll um, Sorry. Brush over Sorry. that. La, 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 la. La, la, la. Okay. Well, my, my big number two is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> never, get, never, never gets old. Um, You're so immature. <laughs> um, okay, my, my my number two is um, a film that we talked about earlier, and 
I can't. It's probably one of my favourite slash movies, and most people who know me or have you know read my opinion know that I love Happy Birthday to Me. In fact, of course, that was the first the first film we chose to do on the podcast. Um, the there's so many death scenes in um, Happy Birthday to Me to choose, but the one that I I love more than any is the one that they chose, obviously, for the film poster, um, and that's the shish kebab in the mouth. Um, I just I just love the fact that they they felt they could get away with such ridiculous death scenes in in the early eighties. When you think the difference from Halloween, where Michael Myers is attacking people with a butcher's knife to Happy Birthday to Me, which was made barely two years later. Um, and they they have a killer with pantyhose on her face, stabbing people in the mouth with shish kebab. Um, and for me, again, it's another great trash aesthetic. I think it's a, it's a wonderful scene in a wonderful movie. Um, and I know it divides opinion and lots of people hate it, but if you hate it, then I don't think you can really be a, a major slash movie fan because Happy Birthday to Me is wonderfulness in in a bottle as far as i'm concerned and that scene is the cherry on top the bloody cherry on top so that's my big number two i agree with that one justin i actually almost picked that one myself and i have such great childhood memories of that scene because i watched that movie with my mother a long time ago and when that scene came up where she's feeding him the shish kebab my mother was closing her eyes i was like what are you doing she goes i can't watch i can't watch she's gonna shove that down his throat i can't watch Yes, well, fantastic. So, well, let's go on to um, the, the um, no double entendre, unfortunately, our big number one. So, um, Eric, what's your big one? Okay, my uh, number one comes from what I consider wonderfulness in a bottle, and that is from the original My Bloody Valentine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's mm. the sequence where Sylvia is, she's tormented, she's lying alone in the mining area and all these uniforms start coming down from the ceiling. Mm. You remember the scene? Yeah, yeah. Uh, she comes face to face with the killer. The killer lifts her off the ground and impales her on a shower head. Uh, now, this was a scene that was really effective, even in the censored version that we had for the best part of 30 years. But it's really, really is something else when you see it on the unrated DVD that came out in 2009 to coincide with the remake. Uh, I just, what I like about my select, my, all my choices is that the, the gore and the violence in it is quite unrealistic hmm. because I I don't have a strong stomach when it comes to real gore. I'm one of those people, you know that scene in The Exorcist where Linda Blair goes to the hospital and she's having the opera, the tests done on her and there's a scene where they stick a needle in her neck and blood spurts out. That scene, like, that's where I turn away from the screen um, because I am kind of a wuss if it, when it comes to real blood and real gore and violence. I don't like watching Martin Scorsese movies you know, the, the gangster movies mm. where these people's heads and vices and the, the violence is too realistic. But what I like about my bloody Valentine's head impaled on the shower head, it's just, you know, it's improbable. But I mean, the effects are really, really good in it. Um, especially like when her boyfriend comes along and sees her there with the shower head coming out of her mouth and blood dripping down the end. It's very macabre. It's, it's a great uh, scene and a fantastic movie. And I, I, mm. I agree with you, um, Eric, I'm not very good with real, uh, you know, I don't faint, if, you know, real blood or anything, but I'm not 
a fan well, of, of um, I don't faint, but I don't enjoy it. No, no, yeah. no, same here. But it's all this is what slash movies about. Most of it's make believe, and I, you know, it's no secret. My favourite um, slash movies are not the um, the really realistic ones. Uh, the more mm. the, the popcorn esque ones, and I think my Blade <laughs> Valentine, you know, really um, walks that line um, between grittiness and campy cheesiness, and um, you know, honest to goodness scares, and that's you know why I really like it. Um, how about you guys? What's the, did you and that's one of your um, favorite scenes? Oh, it's the movie itself is in my top five of all time. Easily. Yeah, me too. And I imagine oh, I, I love my bloody Valentine too. I think it's a terrific film. And I imagine, without giving too much away, it will be coming up uh, rather soon on the podcast, won't it? It will. Yes, it it will. will. Excellent. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, so, Nathan, what's your number one? Uh, I'm going the uh, Jello route. For my number one, uh, I'm going with opera. Um, there's a fantastic death scene in opera. Sometimes if I know somebody won't enjoy the movie, I'll just show them this death scene just because mm. I love rewatching it over and over. It's the scene where the heroine, Betty, and her friend, Mira, played by uh, Daria Nicolotti, um, are in the apartment. And there's a man knocking on the door, wanting inside. And, you know, Mira goes up to the door and she's holding a knife and um, the man's trying to say, I'm a policeman, let me in. And she very wisely is like, no, you know, I'm not going to open the door. And, um, you know, he's like showing her his badge and his gun and everything. And meanwhile, in the back, Betty is already a frightened mess. And there's a long phone cord and the phone is sitting in the uh, other room. And she's like pulling the phone towards her because she wants to call the police herself. And while she's doing that, um, Mira is still arguing with the man at the door. And finally, Mira's like, show me your face. And she puts her eye up to the peephole in the door, and he puts the gun right to the peephole and pulls the trigger. And it goes through her eye and out the back of her head, all in slow motion. And then as it does that, it hits the phone in the background, pretty much making Betty incapable of calling anybody for help now. So, I mean, it was perfect for the killer that it happened that way. But, yeah, and then, you know, as Mira's falling back, screaming and, you know, falls dead on the floor it all happens in slow motion and the phone like just kind of falls down in pieces too at the same time so that's one of my favorite death scenes i thought it was filmed and everything about it is fantastic it's it's, it's an amazing scene isn't it mm-hmm. and it just goes to show what dario argento used to be able to do and don't you see uh, the, don't you see the bullets going down the barrel of the gun as well mm. yes sort of extreme close up. It, yeah. yeah yeah it's fantastic yeah fantastic yeah excellent well no thank you nathan that's a that's a brilliant one and um I'm sorry, sorry, I've lost a track now. We've done, it, is it... Um, it's is it Joseph's. Your, Joseph's. Okay, what's your number one, Joseph? Um, I actually almost went with opera as well, with William McNamara getting the, the, the pitching trowel up his throat and out of his mouth. But I think hmm. that is a good one. But the only, thing, the only reason I didn't pick that was because he picked opera and the... The hard rock music in the in that scene kind of takes it takes me away from it, so yeah. I didn't pick it for that reason. But my real number one is another uh, Argento movie. It's uh, the arterial painting scene from Tenebrae, where the mm. woman gets her arm chopped off. Uh, this is my number one for uh, for being really really bloody. Uh, the woman's kind of sitting by the window holding a gun, and then the killer's axe comes through the window and it slams down onto her arm. And she starts like screaming in agony, and then this river of blood kind of just pours from the stump, and it like paints the drab white walls like this lovely bright red color. And then she's kind of done in thereafter by the killer's axe slamming into her back, and then into her front side as she's like laying on the kitchen floor, kind of bleeding out. It's um, it 
it, it kind of illustrates, you know, that Argento, he, he's, he's more like cerebral and visual than he is like logical, obviously. And it's just really one of the best death scenes I've ever seen. It's, it's amazing. It's an amazing scene. And it's part of, probably one of the reasons why the film got banned in the UK. Um, but it's, it's that, yeah, Argento, classic Argento, isn't it? The kind of um, bloodshed is art. Um, and, and literally is art by spraying the wool sort of, um, you know, crimson. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's, it's fantastic. Fantastic. Excellent. Well, well, thank you. Thank you, Joseph. And um, mm-hmm. um, my number one, um, I've got a little sound clip here. So um, I'm going to play this guy. See if you can recognise which film this is. You know, I really think you're overreacting to all this. I mean, the guys from the college are just always pulling crap like this. They enjoy scaring us. Did anybody bolt the cellar door? What for? The guys don't know about the basement tunnels, and even if they did, they can't get in that way. Oh, my God. Any guesses? Nope. Not <laughs> <me>. <laughs> um, all right, I don't, I don't blame you for not knowing that film because it's not, it's not, it's the, it's from the barely regarded um, 3D mess that is Silent Madness. Oh, um, oh yes. And the, uh, there's, there's the reason, I mean, it's not a great film. Um, it's quite a fun film. I, I, I quite enjoy it. I'd love to have seen it in 3D at the cinema. Um, but the, the reason I, I, you know, my number one death scene. It's a double death scene where you have basically it's the apex of cheesy eighteenness, um, and you have a girl playing Dragon Slayer. If you don't remember, when I was a kid, <laughs> Dragon Slayer. Yes. I remember was, that game. Yeah, and she's playing that, and she's shouting behind you, behind you at the at the screen, and then you see the killer's face appear on the screen with the reflection from behind her. He stabs her. She falls to the floor. But her friend is upside down in tight lycra doing aerobics. Um, and um, and then what the killer does, he puts a rope around her neck and attaches a dumbbell to it and chucks out the window while she's doing aerobics. <laughs> and for me, that is the uh, the ultimate of kind of 80s cheesy slasher movie death scenes um it's so ridiculous and it's so screams 1982 or 83 whenever the film was made or 84 it's just um you know that that's my number one um i mean who knows next week it'll be a completely different thing but when i was thinking about it i thought yeah that that encapsulates everything i love about 80 slasher movies all in one tight little package can I just say something? Um, I'm very surprised that neither of us have picked the same movie. I mean, I was mm. really thinking that one one of you would. I, I thought Eric would pick the uh, Tenebrae scene, but mm. he didn't. Okay. I probably would have chosen the opera scene if I'd thought of it. But as I said in the intro, there's so many to choose from. Obviously, yeah. Yeah. Yes, I mean, I have like I got ten more that I wish I could have brought up, but oh, absolutely. I had to really them down. I reckon yeah. we could come, we can come back and do um, do these again, couldn't we? It's not, part two, you know, part two, exactly. Mm-hmm. The sequel. Yes. So, fantastic. Well, um, hope you, hope the list of people you're listening, you enjoyed those. And again, why not write and tell us what your three top three um, death scenes are in, in slash movies? Because we'd love to hear them, and um, we might read it out on the show. So you know, get writing. And um, without further ado, uh, I think um, we're going to have uh, Nathan is going to um, pose a question to us. Oh, yes. Um, and Joe knows all about this, too, because he goes with me to our friend Greg's for Friday Night Grant, 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 Grant. That's what we call him, Grant Grant. But he um, 
we watched Ghost Story recently, and if you know if you've seen that, it's not the kind of movie that you want to do like a mystery science theater like joking around during the whole movie because there's mm. some jump scares, there's a lot of like stark images, you know, it's got some creepy scenes in it, and we have it's a plot heavy, very plot heavy. Yes, too. exactly, and we have a friend named Scott that comes over every once in a while. And he's notorious for ruining a movie. So I always, I told Joe, I said, he's going to ruin this. I know he will. Hmm. And it was getting to a particular scene in the movie where, you know, the music was building up. You know, it was a, a dark house. I mean, you knew something was going to happen. And suddenly he just looks over at, you know, Greg and he just got, says, Oh, uh, you remember, uh, oh, Sally Fannie Mae, uh, I ran into her the other day, and this is what she had to say. And it's yeah. been 10 minutes talking about this person who right. we have no idea who she is. Yeah. And I completely ruined the, the movie because, you know, I mean, he, he, he does that every movie we watch. So he's like what I call the movie destroyer because he destroys a good movie every time he shows up. Mm-hmm. So I guess my question to you guys is what is it that people do that really can ruin a movie for you? Well, I'm taking off from that. Uh, I've noticed lately that, you know, ever since I've been coming over to uh, Grant Grant's, that he he himself is kind of, you know, chilled out with the talking. Uh, when we watch a film, you know, he's pretty much quiet for the most part, which I like. But when you have Scott or Jamie over, they're like, hey, uh, guess what I did this weekend? Uh, 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 and then just keep doing talking and talking over and over. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's bad enough that, you know, Scott brought over that, awful smelling Chinese food that about killed me, but he just would not shut his goddamn mouth, and it really just irritates me, and I can't stand it. When You know, if it's a movie like, say, um, what's a really bad movie, like Nail Gun Massacre, hmm. if you want to, you know, yap and yap and just kind of talk to it, that's okay. Hmm. A movie like Ghost Story, you have to pay attention to. There's really good jump scares, and you got some yokel over there going, hi, man, uh, my girlfriend uh, licked my balls yesterday. You don't really want to hear something like that. <laughs> Of course, I don't think Scott really said that, but uh, I'm just—I like to make fun of Scott. He's the loser of our group. He's a real big loser. Does he listen to the podcast? No. No. Well, there you go. Okay. (laughs) I actually wish he would, because you're a loser, Scott. Poor Scott. Poor Scott. Poor man. Yes. Okay. Well, that character assassination—he brings it on himself. Um, He's a liar. He's a liar. He's a—he's a liar. Uh, Yeah, a liar. Anyway, go ahead. No, what about you, Eric? What's, uh, what things are um, you? I hate when people um, get sick on me in cinema, in, when I'm watching a film. Sick? Yeah. Well, they're sick, sick happened, on you. I can imagine it would ruin a film if it happened. And it has it happened? No. Oh, I'm right. just imagining. I'm just trying to imagine. No, what does, like, I agree with the boys, what they're saying. You are boys, yeah? Um, <laughs> uh, if you're watching a serious film that demands attention, like, for instance, a Jallo. Mm. that it's kind of more plot-heavy than the typical slasher. You want people to shut up. You really need it. Uh, And it annoys me when people talk. But the other thing that annoys me is when people have uh, laugh at films that I I find suspenseful and take seriously. Mm. For instance, I went to see... I remember going to see The Exorcist at a a retro screening in the early 90s, and it was quite a full screen, and everyone was laughing at it, and it it destroyed the movie for me. Mm. Uh, And... Uh, unconnected screening of The Exorcist to The Heretic, there was there was a John Borman retrospective in Dublin, and that obviously they had to show all his films. So Exorcist Two was put on, and only about ten people showed up. There was this one woman there, and you could tell she was a real film snob because mm. she was laughing at all the poorly delivered dialogue and all that. Uh, really loud, and I, all I could think of was, "Oh, shut up, woman! You're above the film. Okay, you've made your point. Now, fuck off." Yeah. <laughs> um, hey, Eric, 
let me ask you a quick question. What about yeah. when you go? What, what about when you go to see a movie and you have to cancel on someone? Yeah, that's tricky as well. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> we're move, moving swiftly, Justin. swiftly on to. Sorry. Yes, your top, your thoughts, Justin. My thoughts. Well, I, the thing I really hate is when you get people who aren't into horror movies or slash movies, and they say, "I want to watch something really scary." And um, and they go, I'm re- I get really really scared by films. But I want you to show me the scariest film you've got. So you think, okay, well, what do you know? You try and quiz them and ask them what they want, you know, want to see. And then you um, you show them what you think is a really scary movie. And then they go, mm, that was rubbish. Oh, it wasn't scary oh, yes, at all. Oh yes, I know this. Thing, yeah. It's just all the time. I get this all the time. And we had some friends around last night, and they said we want to watch something really scary. And I said, okay. So I got like a, I got basically got like a little block of DVDs down, and I said, well, here's here's something that's cerebral but scary. And we went with The Exorcist Three, and I said, like, you can have something cheesy or something fun, an action movie or whatever. They won't they won't watch kind of early eighty fashion movies. They only like kind of um, newer films. So I thought, well, The Exorcist 3 is, is a fantastic film and it's got loads of really scary set pieces in it. And they just sat there and they just went, oh, it's really boring, you know. They just weren't into it at all. Um, mm. And I should have learned. I, I, you know, made them watch Session 9 and they said at the end they thought it was really boring. Um, it's just one of those things. Yeah. It's kind of like people who say they get really, really scared by films. Actually, the people who don't get scared by films, they just think they do. And I just find it, you know, it just really irritates me because like you were saying, Joseph, if you're watching something like a nail gun massacre, it's a great party film. Well, a film you could sit with people sitting around drinking beer and eating popcorn and laughing. Then that's, that's great. But when you've got a film that demands your attention and um, demands, you know, a, a little bit of thinking behind it, it's, it can be a really, irrita- really irritating when people, don't take it seriously enough um and that that's one of my pet hates but um just a, a funny another this funny little side was um we went to see black swan um you know uh, when it was out and uh we were at the cinema and it wasn't that full but the people behind us were um eating really really loudly so every um every Ugh, 30 seconds there was this kind of like this and it sounded like they were chewing on a bone and we were sick, and we were like um, on these seats um, below a kind of wall, you know, like the way cinemas go back. And so we couldn't see them. So we turned around and we were looking, thinking, what the hell? Because we couldn't see them. And we were thinking, what the hell are they eating? And every um, minute or 30 seconds, they'd be like, <laughs> and so. In the end, we the person I was with said said because I was just thinking I'll just sit there and be very British and not say anything. And they, um, the person I was with said, right, I've had enough. I'm moving. We're going to move. So stood up, turned around, and gave them really these people right behind us gave them really kind of you know sort of fuck you look. And then we walked and we we moved down to the front and we sat there. We were there for about thirty seconds and then we heard this, <laughs> and we thought, what the fuck? And then realised it was actually the projector something was wrong with the projector so so those poor people if they if they're listening which i very much doubt they are but if they are listening then we do apologize for giving you that fuck you look because it wasn't your fault um and maybe they thought it was us so um so yes i mean i'm sure this could run and run our kind of our thoughts about um what we hate in uh, our movie going fellow movie goers but um have any other thoughts guys or? Well, i'm just wondering you're saying introducing nathan go- sorry Introducing non-horror fans to horror films. I'm yeah. just wondering, have any of you guys ever shown pieces to a non-horror fan? I'm just wondering. Yes, what, I showed it to my other half. And, 
he thought it was the dumbest thing he'd ever seen. When <laughs> did, did, the, what was he entertained? Uh, he, we were drinking, so we were a little drunk, yeah. so I think he did some entertainment out of it. But my favorite thing is at the end when the corpse reaches up and grabs the guy's crotch and rips it, he just kind of slowly looked over at me and said, are you fucking kidding me? Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, had had I had the same experience just as you. I mean, friends wanted a scary film, so we showed them Friday the 13th, and that went down a treat. Yeah. And then, and then I showed Prom Night after it, which sent everyone to sleep. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, it's yeah. Nathan, uh, going back to talking during a movie when you're trying to watch it, you remember the time when uh, we were at Grant Grant and Jennifer came over, and we were watching a serious film, and she sat down, and her and, her and Grant Grant just basically for the for the next 45 minutes talk about brad pitt you remember that oh, it, we were watching the woman in black yeah because that was a very scary up, movie every time she showed up the jennifer kept saying oh look it's the woman in eggplant that's not black that's eggplant so every time she showed up she kept saying that and i'm like okay i mean completely destroyed the movie i mean it's yeah and see that's a movie i think i think greg really would have liked if he didn't have some you know a uh, little cunt yammering in his ear the whole night <gasps> the <same movie. laughs> The, the ultimate rude words. Jennifer, he, that was the ultimate right there. Gosh, it's, it's this character assassination um, time on the show. Well, can I say, yeah. I like all these people we're talking about. I don't and I'm know. I'm not going to like Joe. I'm just going to say that, hey. Scott, stop talking during the movie, please. That's, God, that's I don't know about you, Eric, but I, I don't want to get on the wrong side of these two. No, I, I feel like a child in the middle of a divorce or something. <laughs> <laughs> Go to your room. Yeah. And... Um, Listeners, uh, you should write in and let us know what annoys you at the cinema or in your fellow moviegoers when you're watching them at home. Absolutely. Excellent. Okay, well, let's, um, let's move on, shall we, to the feature presentation. Um, Nathan's going to introduce the movie, but before we get to that, shall I play the trailer for our feature presentation, which is Bloody Birthday. Right, Nathan, to take it away. Uh, yes. Um, in 1970, three children were born at the height of a solar eclipse. And 10 years later, on their, when their 10th birthday is coming up, they um, snap. They just start killing people. And this is kind of the astrologer's horror movie because um, we're led to believe that it was because of the eclipse that um, the moon and the sun were blocking Saturn, which is supposed to control your emotions, if you believe in astrology. And that is the reason they're they're sociopaths. They have no, you know, real emotion about anything. So, you know, they think that actually killing people is a game to them. 
and it's up to a young uh, teenage girl and her little brother who stumble upon the secret to stop it. And I have to say, I've always enjoyed Bloody Birthday very much. And, you know, if you know, uh, back when we did our favorite heroines, uh, Lori Levine was in my um, my top three because, you know, I think her character is uh, very likable in this film. And, you know, it's it's actually it's a really good film. I, I, I like the score and I really enjoy the performances of the three kids because I believe Eric was the one that said at some point that you just want to smack them. And uh, that was yes. kind of what you're supposed to think mm-hmm. is that you really want somebody to finally like stand up to these kids because, you know, they wreck bloody havoc all over this whole town. Um, but, yeah, it's it's always been a favorite of mine because I can remember there was a video store and Joseph knows what I'm talking about called Chatsworth Sales where I used to live. Great, great, great video store. It had a huge wall of horror, like anything you could think of, big box, clamshell, small box, and the artwork is just right there on display. And Bloody Birthday always jumped out at me. I know you guys know the artwork I'm talking about with the cake, with the fingers, there's mm-hmm. candles on it, mm-hmm. and the blood kind of running down the cake. Um, it's, 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 you know, and you expect Bloody Birthday to be just very ultra cheesy. And when you watch it, you realize, yeah, there are some cheesiness to it, but it's actually played really straight for the most part. And I thought they did a really good job with it. So I was curious what your guys' thoughts is on it. Mm. How about you, Eric? What's your thoughts on Bloody Birthday? Yeah, well, if somebody handed me this film and said it was a cross between Village of the Damned and Halloween, then I think uh, it would deliver exactly what I was expecting. Uh, I, I like Nathan. I think it's a great little film. I think one of its strengths is the evil kids in it are really terrific. The actresses are really, really good at being evil. Mm. I mean, as I said, you just want to slap them, but that's the whole point of the film. Um, and contrasting that, you have Laurie Lathine and her little brother, who are really likable characters, and you know you're really rooting for them, particularly as it gets towards the end. Uh, the like. There's a real dark tone to some of the scenes, like when the girl lures her father out. Spoiler alert, sorry. When the girl, the little girl lures her father out uh, and just stands there smiling as one of the other kids is beating him over the head with a baseball bat. That's really, really creepy, I think. And she's kind of just standing there smirking. And, you know, all bets are off at that stage because, you know, these kids are capable of killing anyone. They don't care if they're family members or not. Uh, you know, so it's it's really dark that way, and I imagine it must have been even slightly controversial. You know, back in the day, mm. having killer kids. Um, you know, the killer kid subgenre is actually. I'm just thinking back of it, and like, there's some really good movies in that little subgenre, like Who Can Kill a Child. You know, the 1975 Spanish film. That's great. That's which great is film. which is terrific, and there's a British one recently called The Children. Did you see that one? I said it's a good yes. movie. I like that. It's a great movie. Good. I mm-hmm. thought it was really, really good, and it 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 it's like Bloody Birthday, but it it, it goes even further in having the adults fight back, like mm. as in kill children, which is something you, know, you don't see a lot in horror films. Mm. Uh, but Bloody Birthday is terrific. Laurie Lathine is is excellent in it. Uh, I love her high waisted jeans. Uh, there's a lot of high-waisted fashions in this I noticed because the little girl uh, Debbie she has a skirt um, that goes up to her armpits basically um, uh, I can imagine uh, Justin you're, you're the oldest member did you wear trousers or did yeah, you even barely. wear skirts like that back in 1980 <laughs> <laughs> I don't recall it it's so long ago but I was yeah. I was um, I wasn't wearing clothes in my mother's womb so anyway carry yeah. on Eric <laughs> Wow. Well, actually, no, funny enough, actually, uh, because I was pretty much, um, I was born a little bit before the kids in this movie were meant to have been born. Um, 
that a year before. So it's kind of weird. I don't. I can't remember when I first saw it, but um, it was probably when I was about thirteen or fourteen. But I wouldn't have been much older than the characters in the film, and you know, had been born around the same time. So that kind of added a kind of like weird resonance, I kind of guess, to it. Um, but um, I mean, I've got some kind of interesting behind the scenes or things, and of course, we're going to be talking to. Um, Laurie in in a second, um, an interview that Nathan did um, uh, a few weeks back, um, where she talks about the film and it's it's you know really interesting um, um, her recollections of it. But um, how about you, Joseph? What was your your thoughts about the film? Oh, I love Bloody Birthday. Um, you know, like Nathan, I agree that Laurie Lathine she's a really uh, a focused kind of down to earth uh, heroine and. Um, you know, she pretty much, you know, towards the end of the film, she doesn't take any of their any of these kids' shit. And there's one scene where uh, um, she mentions it in her upcoming uh, interview, uh, and we've talked about it before, is where one of the children, she has a chance to hit him over the head with a fishbowl. But instead of doing that, I guess she just, you know, she splashes him, and then she subdues him, and then she, uh, I guess she hog ties him and throws him him in this crate and he's like let me out of here I'll, I'll go home i won't do anything she's like yeah right and then she just kicks the crate like shut the fuck up you little brat yeah. i always got to kick out of that scene and then you have uh julie brown who continuously goes topless throughout the whole movie dancing in her room in front of her mirror i think eric does that a lot yes um, but <laughs> and um be on the lookout american ninja fans for a very young michael dudikoff playing her mop top boyfriend uh he has like very little dialogue um mm. I don't know. It's it's a really fun movie. It's uh, it it doesn't take itself too seriously yet. It's cheesy and yet it's kind of creepy. You know, like you said, Eric, that scene where they 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 put the skateboard on the steps. He slips on the skateboard, and then the little girl is just kind of sitting there going, you know, giggling while while he gets the piss beat out of him with a baseball bat and kills him. Mm-hmm. And then you have the uh, is it Bobby or Billy Jacoby? Which one is it, Bobby? Billy, uh, Billy, 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 Billy. Uh, yeah, he went on to play. In, uh, he went on to play Buddy in just one of the guys. Well, where in that movie he was really corny and silly, and here he's really, really, really creepy. Mm-hmm. He's got those big wireframe glasses, and he's got that shit-eating grin. And there's a scene where he just holds the gun up, and he's going to shoot. Uh, was it the teacher in the back of the head, Nathan? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, he and, shot the teacher. Mm. Right, and he's just got that grin on his face, like you just want to punch him in, in the in the face, and you're like, you little brat. But yeah, uh, bloody birthday. It's a I, obviously I wouldn't put it in my top ten, or maybe <coughs> not even in my top twenty. But it's a really fun movie, and uh, I can watch it pretty much any time if I want to kind of get out of a bad mood or anything. It'll kind of perk me right up. It's I yeah no I mean I um, I really enjoy Bloody Birthday and that kind of really stands up I mean it's not a great movie and like like you Joseph it wouldn't be in my top twenty but it's it's a fun movie it does something it's basically kind of brings um, I think as you Eric said it was kind of like the bad seed crossed with Halloween and the thing that really made me not laugh exactly was um, Ed Hunt who obviously is the, the, the um, director of the film. Um, is aping Halloween to the nth degree, especially in the scene where Laurie and Julie, um, character Beverly, walk down the Halloween streets um, while Laurie clasps her books, her school books, to her chest. um, It it looks like the exact same street as in Halloween. 
Well, it's it's almost identical because they and then they talk about um, her boyfriend Paul, which of course says Paul in um, mm. Halloween, wasn't there? And then Beverly's father is the sheriff, um, and so she's basically playing the Annie character. And the dialogue, which I'll play um, just before we talk to to Laurie, um, it's it's so kind of like Halloween. It's it goes beyond um, sort of homage to you know complete ripoff but in a in a kind of you know kind of fun way and um the the other things that i kind of you know i really liked about the film was obviously the the opening scene which is classic teen slasher um once they get um there's a very effective scene at the beginning of the film where there's a montage eclipse with the eclipse and the sounds of the birth of the babies being born um and the doctor is a Mel Ferrer who comes out and says to the nurse, you can't stand around looking at this eclipse. You've got to go and deliver these babies. Um, so there's this idea of a nurse stood out there watching an eclipse, like as you do. Um, <laughs> Uh, but then it goes from June 1970 to June 1980, um, and those uh, horny teenagers who, for some bizarre reason, and it's kind of think it's a good idea to have sex or try to have sex in an open grave. Goths. That's what they are. Sorry? They're goths. They're goths. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. They listen to Susie a lot. That's what, yeah. they, that's what well, inspired them. I don't think like you've, like you've never had sex in the graveyard, Justin. I've never, I've never had sex. I don't think have I. No, what? Um, but <laughs> but there's there's a kind of symmetry there, which is kind of you know like a playfulness because the whole idea is they they get killed by you don't see it's the kids, but they're in the open grave, and then he gets whacked over the head repeatedly with a shovel, and she gets um, strung up or strangled with a skipping rope. And then of course they fill the grave in, or he soon starts to do it. So it's a kind of playfulness. Um, there which i thought was kind of good fun and um um talking of, of fashion i mean obviously laurie is um modeled on another laurie which is well you know the character laurie laurie strode in halloween um i love 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 her um big yellow headphones i wish i had a pair <laughs> of those um, and i've got the um the film was released um in the uk uh, on either film services who brought out also torso and and it has it's got the fantastic um artwork which has got the the birthday cake with the the fingers coming out one and severed but the rest with with um with flames coming out but i love the way it talks about her character i won't read the whole thing but it says um uh it talks says high a pretty high school teacher joyce russell her interests are boys rock music and astrology um so i'm not quite sure where they got the rock music from but of course laurie um, slightly awkwardly, not Laurie, but the the film kind of shoehorns this astrology angle into it. Um, but that's that again. But that's that's really good fun to try and explain their kind of the the, the sociopathic tendencies of these children. Um, and a couple of other things was um, if boobs are your thing, then this film has. Uh, boobage um you know pretty not every woman in the film get takes a top off but a lot of them do um the i like the scene especially the scene when timmy her her brother gets um trapped in the in the fridge um which i thought was um you know really quite suspenseful um and the kid who plays her, he went on he was in the amateur horror apparently and also yeah. went on to be in et as well mm-hmm. um and I thought the other thing that's kind of stab at, um, excuse the pun, at kind of re- relevance was the whole, the, uh, another classic slasher movie scene where the, the couple are having sex in the passion wagon and then Billy turns up and shoots them dead, which is kind of like an obvious nod to something like Son of Sam. 
Um, and one of the most interesting things I thought about the film was the, the fact that it, it showed, unlike, I was trying to think actually, most slash movies, you don't see funerals for the victims. Mm. Um, because in a lot of ways, what it does is it takes away, it actually makes it realer, you know, with a slasher movie. And you think how many funerals there must have been after the Friday 13th movies and you know if, obviously they're not real but in you know you never see a funeral um in the Friday 13th movie but because this film takes place over days every or weeks or months even perhaps is um you do see you know not half but quite a number of the the characters being buried um and everyone mourning around um around the graveside which is not something you normally see in um in kind of slash movies and that kind of gives it kind of some kind of like weird um, with kind of resonance, I kind of guess. Um, I mean, I've got some quite interesting information about uh, how the film, you know, was released and um, and stuff like that. But I'll talk about that a bit more in a, in a bit. Is um, guys, have you got any other things you want to talk about this before we go to Laurie's interview? Um, I just wanted to say that it's funny you mentioned the funerals because I think one of the creepier scenes in the movie is during the one of the funerals at the beginning where the little girl Debbie is crying like she's just m- mimicking what her yeah. family's doing. She's obviously has no real emotion about it, and she's like it shows her like really breaking down and crying at her father's funeral, and then you know then she kind of like looks up at the other two kids and she kind of looks over at Timmy like that's our next victim. I kind of nods to him like you know what to do. You know, like she's already planning their next murder at the funeral of her father. Mm. I think that's kind of weird and creepy. Yeah. I just want to say something about the uh, Halloween uh, illusions uh, that you mentioned, Justin, that, you know, uh, Laurie's sort of like Laurie and then the sheriff, the the two films had the sheriff. We picked up on that uh, uh, when we watched it at Grant Grant's uh, back a couple months ago. And uh, I I agree. Um, There are lots of references, even even from walking down sidewalks and, you know, having those long shots of like of the town in the background sort of hello oh sorry yeah, sorry, sean, yeah, sorry. i'm done i'm done no no well, i mean i just so, want to say i love the scene where she throws that lamp and hits debbie with it because yes, i was yes, thinking somebody great. do something to this girl because i can't stand it anymore mm. so she picks up the lamp and throws it and knocks her down with it i was like yes yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> I have a few more things to say about it, uh, but I'm going to wait until after the Laurie yeah. interview. Okay, okay excellent. Yeah. Well, is that, is that a good time to go into it? Do you want to introduce um, – well, actually, I think you, you probably introduce it when um, it comes in. I mean, do you want to say anything before we get to uh, it, Nathan? No, I think we can just uh, go ahead and play it, actually. Excellent, excellent. Okay, um, well, this is um, Nathan interviewing the lovely Laurie Levine. Hi. Hi. It's really creepy about Duke and Annie, no? Yeah, it's really weird. Horrible. Creepy. And Wilder and I go to the graveyard all the time, you know? Why? Well, not to get buried, that's for sure. Have you done his horoscope yet? Yep. Well? Well, Willard should be flipped out over a hot little Scorpio like you. Oh, great. Hey, have you got any calls from Paul lately? No, he's busy with exams. All right. Hello, everyone. This is Nathan, and I am here with Lori Lathine, and she has graciously agreed to do an interview with us. And first, I want to say uh, thanks a lot for being willing to do this. Oh, you're so welcome. Um, And uh, going into Bloody Birthday, uh, how did you get involved with the film? You know, it was it was, uh, you know, I was starting out as an actress. And there was a lot of uh, great 80s horror films going on at the time. 
I was, you know, going on all kinds of interviews for him. And it was just, you know, another business day. I went out and uh, read for the film and got a couple of callbacks. And, you know, next thing I knew, it was like, show up. Oh, cool. Um, and, you know, the idea of, uh, you know, killer kids, you know, probably especially for the time, might have been a little controversial. Did you have any apprehensions taking the role? No, I loved it. You know why? Because I, you know, one of my favorite films was The Bad Seed. And it was like, for me, it was like, okay, the bad seed continues here, you know. Um, so I, I thought it was I thought it was really interesting. And uh, I had no second thoughts about it at all. You know, it was, it, during the 80s, all the horror films were, they were kind of campy, which is what I loved about them. You know, so I just thought, wow, this sounds like big fun. Oh, so that's I great. didn't have any reservations, no. Yeah, I'm a big fan of The Bad Seed, too. I think it's a really interesting film. Oh, I just watched it again. It is still creepy. Just, oh, yes. Just, like she, it's one of those. <laughs> I, know. I know. It was. It's brilliant. Just brilliant. Yeah, and little Patty McCormick just plays that role to the hilt in that movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> one of my big favorites. Uh, I thought in Bloody Birthday that, you know, uh, your character Joyce and her younger brother Timmy had a very realistic kind of brother-sister relationship. I thought that was written really well. What was it like working with him? He was great, and we did have that kind of relationship. In fact, it was really, really hard for us to get through a scene without cracking up. I, you know, I mean, I, I have a, a younger brother, so it was natural for me. I mean, you know, we goofed on each other, and, uh, you know, we ran around, and it, it was it was fun. He was a great kid, and we laughed a lot. Yeah. Uh, and on a similar note, what about the three killer kids in the movie? What were they like behind the scenes? They were, you know, precocious, pre-adolescent kids, you know. Um, they were great, and uh, it was just like it was, it was fun for them. I mean, everybody had a great time, and we took it all, uh, you know, in stride, and we just, we just had fun with it. Okay, that's uh, that's good. Um, oh, and, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis kind of paved the way for the classic, you know, horror movie Final Girls. Uh, how did it feel taking over a role like that in which you were the final girl? You mean where I didn't get killed? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, <laughs> it was a relief. It was nice I to survive. Killed. I'm telling you, every television show, everything I did, I was always getting killed. You know, it was like, oh, girl next door. Oh, my God. How did I get here? Oh, you know, and I was dead. So it was it was great. I liked it. I liked that I was. I had a couple of films where I actually survived, and uh, you know, got to run around and uh, you know, it was great. I loved it. So yeah, I was very happy that I finally got that opportunity. Yeah, because I, I bet it's fun, you know, in the end when you get to do the final battle with the uh, uh, kids. <laughs> right. <laughs> if you can call it that. Yeah. Uh, well, that's one thing I wanted to uh, ask you about, too, is I, for some reason, I always love the scene where your character takes that big fish bowl, and then when right. l little Steven comes in, she splashes him in the face with it, because for some reason, I always thought in that scene that she was going to hit him over the head with it, but instead, she splashes right. him with the water. Right, and you think that would have made sense, that, you know, the, the audience would have been, you know, happy if I would have blown this little kid away, but, you know, <laughs> back then, they were still, they still, like, re they were still dealing with children. Really? Yeah, movies have changed a lot today. They have. They have, and that's that's part of the whole 80s 
horror film scene is that it was so campy. So, you know, I mean, throwing a, I mean, I could have thrown a, a bowl of jello at them. I mean, they could have, you know what I'm saying? That's, <laughs> yeah. that's how they were writing back then. So um, that's what I love about that, that whole 80s scene. Yeah. Yeah. Um, were there any scenes you remember filming that didn't make it into the movie? Um, no. The thing with low-budget films is that almost everything made it into the movie because it was on such a tight schedule. I mean, we used to make these films in like, you know, three weeks or a month. And so there was not a lot of waste or extra. In fact, it seems like some of the films that I did that they even added stuff afterwards without any of the actors. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I definitely know what you mean on that one, too. Um, do you have any uh, funny uh, tidbits or anecdotes that happen behind the scenes on Bloody Birthday? No, just that, you know, I mean, the kids were the kids. And so it was as lively off camera as it was on camera because there were, what, like four kids, you know, and so yeah. there was like pranks and everything. And, you know, it was, but the anecdotes, I mean, you know, all I can tell you is that it was, it was great fun and, you know, um, we, we hung out um, off camera too. And, you know, some of the other cast members as well. Um, but, you know, I mostly hung out with the kids because they were fun to play with. Yeah. Yeah. And, and actually, I like your uh, character's dynamic with uh, Julie Brown's character, Beverly, too. I thought they actually had kind of a realistic, you know, friendship uh, in that movie, too. I really enjoyed that part as well. Yeah. You know, I haven't seen Julie in a long time. She's gone on to do really well. You know, she's funny. Oh, my God, she's so funny. Um, but, you know, we were. it was like when you did a gig, you know, you got close to the people on the film while you were filming, and then afterwards, you know, life life carries on. If there was going to be a bloody birthday, too, would you be willing to reprise your role? <laughs> I don't think I could run around, you know, especially in that junkyard scene. Oh, I don't yes. think I'd be doing that. Although you never know, because I've been hiking. I don't know, you know? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true, right? <laughs> um, how do you feel about the film today? Are you proud of being part of it and the horror genre in general? Oh, yeah. You know, it's fun. It, it, it's fun because, you know, my kids, it's like, you know, what did your mommy do, right? What did yeah. your mommy do when it was, you know, share it, 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 you know, at their class? And it's like, you know, they had the most interesting stories about their mom. Look what my mom did, <laughs> you know? Um uh, yeah, I'm proud of it. You know, it's just a, it was a part of my life, and and um, it's just um, in the in the fans that you meet and everything, they're interesting. Um, it makes me laugh, you know. And uh, anytime anybody brings it up to me, it just makes me smile. So yeah, I'm happy about it. I know I speak for, you know, my fellow co-hosts on The Hysteria Continues that we really thank you for being willing to talk about these movies. You know, it's been really fun kind of going down memory lane with you on these. Oh, well, thank you for having me. And, um, you know, I wish you, uh, you know, good luck. Uh, and uh, I hope everybody listening will check out Lori's official website and uh, look her up on Facebook, her fan page. Uh, and please like it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Nathan. Does anybody know what the word murder means? Debbie? It's when someone kills someone, like on TV. 
No, honey. Not like on TV. TV is just pretend. And thank you again to the wonderful Laurie Lethine for speaking to us about um, Bloody Birthday, uh, um, which she was fantastic in, and um, another great interview with Nathan. Well, we'll say another great interview because we are actually um, have... Um, more interviews with Laurie lined up for some of the other Slash movies and um, and you can probably guess what they are but we shall keep you in suspense for a little bit longer um, and also to say that we have got some amazing interviews lined up in fact we've got a few in the bag um, and if you're a fan of um, 80s Slash movies uh, you are going to be bowled over by some of the people we've got coming up in the show over the next weeks or months um, and we're going to continue building on that and um, we've got some really, really good interviews I've heard them, um, a couple of the ones we've got in the bag uh, and they are fantastic, so keep tuned as, as ever um, Guys, is there anything else you want to talk about Bloody Birthday? I mean, I've got some information about um, I sort of did some digging to find out um, something about his checkered history. Um, has anything else come to mind after listening to Laurie? Um, well, you know how we we usually spoil films, right? Mm. Obviously, there's not much to spoil since you know mm. that the ki- the killers are the children. Mm. But the one thing I did want to spoil and talk on is the actual ending where uh, the little girl and her mother, the little girl gets away because her mother has been, you know, living in denial this whole time that her mom, that her daughter is a monster mm. so you know they're pretty much leaving town they're leaving town and they're at this truck stop and it just shows it shows that you know wherever they run the kid's going to just keep doing this over and over and over and mm. she's just got that little evil look on her face again and it kind of sets up like there could be a bloody birthday too which unfortunately mm. there never was but uh, what did you think about the ending uh eric yes it reminded me of the xtc song no thugs in our house Woohoo, ecstasy. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I did like the ending, like the mother and daughter escape from town under uh, new identities, uh, but you can see that the daughter is still up to her old tricks. Yeah, that uh, mother was just really stupid. I mean, she just... She was. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, in fairness now, um, the character of Joyce was a bit stupid as well. I mean, she agrees to go and babysit Debbie, you know, 15 minutes from the end of the film. She says, oh, I'll go from babysitter, no problem. Even though she knows she's part of this little triad of... Uh, evil demon children. That was, <laughs> yes. that was a little bit. I always um, thought that she just didn't know that Debbie was also evil. I thought she thought yeah. the other two boys were. Mm. Yeah, very possibly, very possibly. Mm. But, um, Could be. But it's, so Debbie, remember when they're strangling the kid? When Joyce shows up, Debbie's like screaming, "Stop! You're hurting him! You're hurting true. him!" Like mm. he's like yeah. manipulate Joyce right there. But I, I, but I always thought Joyce was was aware of what was the you know yeah, what was I going mean, on. I do agree with you. I'm giving her a little leeway here, but I do yeah. agree that the character should have, I mean, put two and two together, which she didn't. Mm. Mm. I mean, it's, I think it's interesting um, uh, that Joseph, you know, mentioned, and I think you, uh, you know, in the interview we talked to, to, Laurie, um, to Laurie about a happy, um, happy, sorry, bloody birthday too. Um, and actually, just while I remember it, sorry, just off off the subject, but um, I don't know if you guys have seen um, that news that John Dunning. Um, He's, he's going to do one last um, horror movie. Did you see that I read news? that, uh, was it yesterday? Someone mm. posted that on the forums, that him and, uh, who, who else was it that was going to work with him? 
Uh, I'm not sure, but it was it was Andre Link, wasn't it, and um, John Dunning, the original um, producers for Happy Birthday to Me and uh, My Bloody Valentine. And I know that um, they or John Dunning had been trying to get originally a remake or a sequel to My Bloody Valentine off off the ground. Um, and there has been a long ingestation um, rooms of a remake of Happy Birthday to Me. So there are is a buzz that um, this obviously it's not going to be a My Bloody Valentine. Um, probably, I mean, maybe it will be. Um, it could be a completely brand new sort of thing, but um, it seems, I reckon, I, I, if I was a betting man, I might put money on the fact that um, a remake of Happy Birthday to Me may be on the cards. I don't know what you guys think. I wouldn't mind seeing that, actually, because I'm the one person who, while I love uh, Happy Birthday to Me, I think it's a little long. I think if they trimmed it down a little, I think a, a a, a remake might be a little it might be fun obviously it won't topple the original but mm. i think it could be a good idea yeah well, well let, let's see but but just we we're talking about the um uh bloody birthday and the sequel or the lack of um just a little bit of history about the film um the film was made in 1980 um it, it couldn't look any more south um california 1980 if it tried i mean it's got that it just bleeds or sweats that kind of amb- ambiance which is obviously, if you love 80s, early 80s slasher movies, which we do, there, um, it really has that, that feel, which is, which is fantastic. But there's been lots of, um, lot, you know, not intrigue about it, but um, for a long time people thought the film didn't come out in America until 1986. Um, that's partly because the film did come out in, in America in 1986 um, at the cinema under the title Bloody Birthday, um, ahead of a video release, which in the early eighties or the early mid eighties was quite, um, it was quite a kind of a, a practice thing that a film would get a re-release, like The Burning. The Burning got a re-release um, in nineteen eighty two um, before it came out on home video as a way of kind of basically um, getting more information and more more excitement about a film. I kind of guess. Um, but it came out on Prism in in the States in 1986, and I found this great little clip of um, uh, talking about it. Was well, not clip, but um, little little tip of information is that Prism sent out um, birthday cake mixes to um, video stores uh, with bloody birthday written on them, and obviously that would be a great thing to get hold of. I've never seen one, but I'd love to love to see that. But the film itself was was obviously made in 1980, um, and I was looking back through Variety, and it said that um, if you were if you had time travel, if you could get in a time machine and you went back to um, to a sort of Corp Tower is Centre Number Forty at the Mifed um, uh, Film Festival, uh, Bloody Birthday was screening in Room Number Fourteen on October twenty first, nineteen eighty, at ten thirty. Sorry, nine thirty in the morning. Um, the film got sold, I think, to Film Ventures International, who also put out quite a few films. Um, bizarrely, the film was made under three titles. It was made under the title Bloody Birthday, Hide and Go Kill, and The Creeps. Now, I always presumed that those three different titles were re-release titles, and it was always Bloody Birthday. But, in fact, um, according to Variety, um, the film hadn't settled on a title. And from what I can tell, it was released in 1981, even February or probably April um, uh, 1981, under the title Hide and Go Kill. Um, there was another film around the same time that had the similar title, which may be why it was then re-released. It was re-released in January 1982 as The Creeps. Um, 
but I've never seen any posters or any artwork or anything for either of those, those titles, so they may have been a very small um, small release for the film. Um, so that probably explains why it didn't get a sequel, because it sounds like it got it got a release in 1981 and 82, but it sounded very spotty. It didn't really get that much um, interest. Uh, and so it didn't come out until 86. And when you think how much, and Eric you know, will know most about this, but how much the, the fashions would have changed from 1980 to 1986, um, mm. any audience seeing Bloody Birthday in 1986 would have, would have immediately seen that the film was pretty dated by that point. Um, but um, that was in the States. But in the UK, again, I've never seen a film poster, but it was, it was um, the British censors um, gave us an X certificate, which um, X certificates were basically uh, what is an 18 certificate now in the UK, um, on the 29th of March in 1982. Um, and it also came out on video, in the video I've got in front of me in April 1982, um, um, as well, so I mean that's just a little bit of the the background um, of the film. Um, but um, any other thoughts, guys? Yeah, I have some information on the UK release as well because mm. I have. Yeah, if you remember Starburst magazine, I know you you would know it, Justin. Yeah. I don't know if yeah. Nathan and Joseph. It was a sci-fi and horror magazine from the UK in the late seventies, early eighties. Uh, I'm looking at issue number fifty three here, and it has a review of Bloody Birthday in it, which would and it's it's reviewed in the normal body of the magazine which means it was probably a theatrical review mm. uh, now it doesn't have an actual month on the on it but it's the same issue as et so i'm guessing it's probably the summer of 82 yeah. and it says it was playing uh, in the in cinemas i assume on a double bill with zombie creeping flesh oh really wow yeah That'd mm. be an interesting double what bill. a strange double bill that would exactly be. <laughs> yes hmm. yeah. Um, yeah zombie creeping flesh being the UK title for I, you probably know it better. Is it Night of the Zombies? It's called over or Hell of the Living Dead is another Hell of the Living title. Dead. Yeah, which which would have been cut. Um, yes, I think it got mm. got really badly cut in this country. But um, but yeah, no, I mean that's really that's really interesting. I mean it's the, the film also has got like a quite an interesting cast, isn't it? We're full of um, slasher movie sort of um, recognisable people. I mean, obviously Laurie went on to um, or did did she make this before or after the prey, Nathan? Uh, this was after the prey. This was after the prey. Okay, um, and then obviously went on to return to, um, to Horror High. Um, but there was Susan Strasberg, who, as someone pointed out, I was looking at the IMDb boards, and Strasberg was kind of like a, a very famous kind of um, uh, acting coach, wasn't she? And she, but she seems to be in a lot of these kind of low budget horror movies. And of course, she was also in Sweet Sixteen. And in this, she plays the teacher who gets shot in the back. Um, and then slides off um, a sort of a, a chopping board. Um, there's um, Billy Jane or Billy Jacoby, who um, plays one of the kids, was in Superstition, um, which is a film we're going to be covering very soon. One of my favourite early 80s, it's um, well, a semi-slasher, I can guess. And also X-Ray, which we talked about, which um, the, um, uh, what was her name? The Elizabeth Hoy, who was the little girl in this, um, she played the the original, um, well, she's a little girl version of Barbie Benton's character, I think, in X-Ray. Um, now, talking of Elizabeth Hoy, there's there was rumours that she was killed on an accident on, bizarrely again, April 25th, 1993. But um, there's some talk, is that true or is that not true? Nobody seems to know. Um, and one of the things is, um, the reason we get a lot of these slasher movie interviews is because we are now kind of like slasher ninjas, stalk, stross, um, <laughs> sort of slash 
stalkers on Facebook. Um, but of course, a lot of women who got married would have changed their second name, which is why the ones who don't want to be found, it's quite difficult to track them down to even ask if they'd like to be involved. But I would love, love, love to um, to hear what Elizabeth Hoy thinks about yeah. her. Mm. But who knows? Is she still still with us? Um, we're trying to get um, hold of um, Billy Jacoby, Billy Jane, to see, um, and tentatively, I was in contact with him um, months ago, and he did agree to an interview, but it's all gone very quiet there, so I'm going to stalk him a little bit more and try and sweet-talk him into talking about his, um, you know, his his time on these slash movies, because he, you know, he had a big part in this, and possibly the biggest part of the as a child killer, um, and he was also in Superstition and a smaller part in X-Ray. So it'd be interesting to hear what he has to say about that. Um, the, the whole yeah. Jacoby family is kind of horror-oriented. His his younger brother was in the Tremors films. Yeah. Uh, and he was also um, in the scariest thing of all, which was Parker Lewis Can't Lose. <laughs> <laughs> was, it, was, it, was his brother in Bad Ronald? That TV film, yeah. Well, actually, that might have been his brother. Was it his brother? Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess that's so. what. Because I've never seen Bad Ronald, and I know Amanda loves it, and it's a film that I keep on sort of meaning to track down to watch. Um, but I've I've never seen it. But um, that, what year was that? Do you remember Bad Ronald? It was the seventies one, isn't it? Is I think. That, I think it might. You sure it wasn't him? Because I, I was talking about his younger brother. His younger brother oh, was in the maybe. Tremors films, uh, at least one in three, I believe. Maybe he was. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Well, maybe if we get a chance, we'll we'll ask him. Um, but the only other tidbit of information I've got is that um, the film was produced by Max Rosenberg, who um, produced many Hammer and Amicus classics. Um, although he's American, he, he produced films such as Fantastic. Portmanteau, if that's the right word, um, t- t- films such as Tales from the Crypt and Asylum. Um, and I think it's one of his last films he produced was, was Bloody Birthday. Um, and also it was made by Ed Hunt. Um, I have to be careful how, how I say that. Um, and he, um, one of his last films, but I, you know, I thought he did a pretty good job on this. And again, he went from, I think he was an adult filmmaker, made softcore um, porno films in the early 70s, I think, or the late 60s, and um, uh, which I've got in front of me, which is called Pleasure Palace and Diary of a if, Sinner. And you've, um, got, you've got the films, I've got them not in front of Spanish. me, but no, like, but you've got them in um, Spanish, <laughs> but yeah, so it's, it's interesting, <laughs> uh, yes, not those type of films. Um, Justin, I'm looking this up, it's uh, hmm. Scott Jacoby, it's his, it's his older brother, I believe, okay. yeah, it was in Bad Bad Ronald, 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 1974, yeah, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, excellent, okay. Well, I mean, that's the thing. The only other thing I wanted to say, we touched on it earlier, which is about the whole thing. And we, we, Nathan, you mentioned, obviously, to Laurie about the um, did this cause an outcry when it came out. And obviously, there's a rich heritage of killer children. I mean, from the Village of the Damned um, films and um, The Bad Seed. Uh, there was also another kind of film, contemporary film called The Children, wasn't there, which was um, the one with the radioactive kids in it. And as... Um, as Eric, I think you mentioned the um, "Who Could Kill a Child." So mm-hmm. there's that those kind of films, and um, but uh, in in England, which you probably don't know much about it, but it's in the, in the states you may not have heard much about it. But Charles Play Three got blamed for um, influencing a very famous murder case here with two ch- two young boys <clears throat> who were about ten actually, I think, killed a toddler 
um, where in fact actually it it was proven that um, they didn't have anything to do with it. Um, well, no, they they didn't have they didn't have anything to do with the film. Um, and in fact, they'd never actually seen it. But um, a journalist with an overactive imagination had put two and two together and came up with five. But um, I think if uh, sorry, Bloody Birthday had been released um, in England um, five years later, it'd probably been much more infamous. Um, and it certainly wasn't a film that got targeted as, as part of the video nasty um, uh, sort of hysteria that happened in the UK at the time. But um, but and I think now because of the cheese and the kind of the age and the bell bottoms and the hair and all that kind of stuff, it's it's less the the possibility to offend is is less now because it's got that that distance. Um, but it's you know I think it's still still that idea of killer children breaks so many taboos and I think um, Bloody Birthday does it pretty well and it's very entertaining as well. So. I mean, guys, what is there any anything else you want to say about the film? So I'm rabbiting on at. Uh... Well, the other big taboo it breaks is having the uh, the young children as voyeurs of of um, mm. uh, who's Joyce's friend Beverly as she's undressing, looking through the people. Yes, that's that's I'm sure was probably even more controversial than having them as killers. And no one's no one's mentioned the uh, arrow through the eye scene mm. through the people. Yes, I love yes. that sequence. It's very 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 good. I like it. Yes. Mm. Mm. No, no, it's. I mean, that that is that is great, and I think we are going to play out um, with um, that wonderful track that Beverly dances around her bedroom and shakes <laughs> her boobies too, and uh, pulls down her panties, which she um, wears feather boas <laughs> and stuff. And you're thinking, and she's <laughs> she's kind of like when um, when. Um, Joyce points out that um, children, her sister's been charging children to peer through a glory hole that her her shaking a booty. As she yeah, now it's mocking. a peephole. A glory hole is a different thing. I know, but I just wonder. Yeah, no, we won't go there. But Sorry. Um, pervert, pervert. <laughs> but no, I just wonder. You know, that whole thing. She was kind of shocked. But you know, do do many teenage girls um, do that kind of dance around their bedroom with feather bows? Maybe they do. I don't know I about don't teenage know. girls, but I do it daily. Well, mm. yes. Well, well. Um, Maybe we'll we'll see. Um, we'll do a yes. competition. See, um, we get people. Uh, if you want to see the footage? Uh, please send fourteen ninety five to. Yeah, yeah. Nathan has state? a peephole in your room <gasps> with a camera. So, yeah, <laughs> it's your your solo sex tape, Joseph. Yes. Hey, I, I'm the perfect date. Uh, I know when to say when, and I always leave myself wanting more. Oh. Mm. It's a bit confusing, but anyway. Um, so, so yeah. anything else okay, you want to moving say? Moving on. Moving on. Yes, um, we shall gloss over that. Um, anything else we want to say about Bloody Birthday before we wrap it up? Because we're we're kind of hitting the two-hour mark again, so it's another good show. Is that? i no? I don't think I have much else to say about it. No, I'm trying to think if there's. I'm just having a look through my notes. If there's anything else. Um, I don't think I have anything else of note to say apart from um, thank you, Nathan, for your choice. And um, as I said before, we, Laurie has recorded some other interviews, which we will be coming to relatively shortly. Um, and we have a um, lot more planned, lot more, pla- lot more planned um, for the next coming months. So um, it well, seems. Sorry, go on. I, I guess um, maybe Nathan would. It'd probably be a good idea to to tell everyone that uh, you run her Facebook. Yeah. website oh yes yeah her fan facebook page and you know you can uh, easily get to it if you go to her official website too which is www.laurielethine.com l-o-r-i-l-e-t-h-i-n 
And, and on another note, not in America, so full stops equals dots. <laughs> and no, we, we understand dots. I, oh, okay. I, I actually built that website, so there's That's a little more trivia for you. Excellent. Yeah, well, it's, it's a really yeah. crappy design, but there you go. Well, yeah, we don't need to go. We don't need to say that. Don't put yourself down, Joseph. Yes. And um, that's our job. Um, so, okay, hey, guys. Hey. Hey, 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 hey. All right. Anyway, so um, anything else to say, or should we um, should we kind of fade out on the that wonderfully cheesy dance sequence? Take us away, baby. Okay, here we go. See you next time. Bye.